Welcome back to the Peak Mentality Podcast. I have my most favorable guest on today, Miss Kelsey Montagna. Si. The si. fiance. Si. Wait, what was that? The fiance. Oh, sorry. Wait, what'd you say? Oh, that's how it is. <laughs> Get me off. Oh, man. It's been a long time since we've done one together. Actually, probably since the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Been, I'm too famous now. It's been like a year, I think, <laughs> since uh, we've done one together. Um, I think it was right before Worlds last year. Tough Mudder. Yeah, and we got Worlds coming up. But we just got back from Ironman World Champs in Nice, France, and then we traveled around Italy for a week and uh, drank all of the wine possible. And ate all the croissants. Yes, pizza for breakfast. and Pasta. Ridiculously overpriced dinners, but it was... Oh my gosh, no, (laughs) not even. Euros are worth a lot. Yeah, well, the the food is so much better over there. We can get into that, but it's night and day difference. It doesn't even compare to the U.S. No, the U.S. is trying to poison everybody through the food system. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, what are we going to jump into first? Well, I mean, there's so much. Well, since I've been on, but since you've probably had a podcast, you did it right before Iron Man, correct? Yeah. Yeah. My last one was a kind of a depressing podcast, but it was good. It yeah, was good well, it's to, real uh, life. That's what it's happens. It's good to be vulnerable for the men out there and talk about real life. And women. Yeah. I don't have any women reach out to me about it, though. Well... I can go into that in another day, yeah. on another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we could talk about Iron Man Worlds. So um, it was in Nice, France on September 10th, full Iron Man, and I had to qualify for this race. So I qualified at Iron Man Texas back at the end of April. And uh, this was a goal of mine that I set just about a year, I think a little over a year ago exactly. And... Uh, yeah, within one year, I've done two Ironmans, and one of those was a world champ, so I'm, honestly, I'm pretty proud of that, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of surreal, because when I bought my TT bike last year, my coach said, I want to get you to Worlds on that bike, and then all of a sudden, a year later, well, here I am, finishing up Ironman Worlds, laying on the ground, tears running down the sides of my face as I'm looking through my phone and all the text messages that family and friends had sent me. And I just, that's one of the first things I thought about was, wow, a year ago, my coach and I had talked about how this was going to happen. And here we are. Yeah, I think I I remember you saying that statement. It was always Kona because before we didn't know it was going to be in East France. But mm-hmm. your whole goal of even starting this um, triathlete and Ironman sort of uh, what race idea was always to make it to Kona. And obviously it wasn't in Kona, so it was just about doing getting to Worlds. And, I mean, I was able to witness you and witness some very high-up Ironman athletes compete in a very brutal and difficult, difficult course, I think, because uh, it was hot. And I think most people think that France or Europe is cool, and it's not. No, it was toasty. But nothing compared to where we live, where it's 110 during the summer. I agree, but, but there's some, I don't know if it was. Yeah, I, I couldn't explain it. The, it was like low to mid 80s, but it was it was a different type of heat. Very dry. Um, I don't know. The, 
it just felt like the sun was beating down on you so much harder than mm-hmm. what 87 degrees feels like where we're, we're, uh, we're from. Well, and you couldn't wear a wetsuit. Yeah, no, no wetsuit because the water temp was just a hair over legal limit the morning of the race. So it was just kind of one of those things where uh, I had been training in the wetsuit out there, specifically where we were going to swim um, for, for the race. And morning of, they said, nope, no wetsuit. So I just swam in my kit. And uh, thankfully, it was really so- the ocean out there is really salty. So you're super buoyant. So it, it wasn't really a struggle to try to stay afloat. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, just a go for it kind of race. Um, the swim I, I did, did well for myself, I thought. And then, uh, coming out of it was feeling a little, uh, I don't know. I, I swallowed a lot of salt water, so that, that didn't make me feel too good. But once I was on the bike, I felt good, opened up and just was flying up the hills the best I could. Lost my chain the first hill. So I had, I, it's funny because I was like passing a bunch of people going up the first uh, first hill section, and I'm thinking, "Oh man, I'm doing good." And all of a sudden, my chain comes off as I downshift uh, the front chain ring, and so I had to pull over. And all the people I just passed passed me passed right by me. See a loser. Yeah. So I got the chain back on, took off, and uh, it was just a 112 mile grind up hills after that for 8,000 feet of elevation gain and. Just some gnarly, steep hairpin corner downs and uh, just flying. I think, I don't know if I ever broke over 40 miles an hour. We were in like the mid to high 30s most of the time coming down and then slamming on the brakes to do hairpin turns, um, going through rock tunnels on the sides of cliffs, uh, going through little towns with a bunch of these gnarly speed bumps that you, I mean, you had to really watch out for. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was an adventure, and uh, towards the end of it, my body was not feeling the greatest. My lungs were feeling super weird for some reason, just feeling really fatigued. So jump onto the or jump into the run, and I held about a six fifty pace the first seven miles or so, and then after that, it just like hit the fan. Like my body said, yeah. nope. Um, I jumped in a porta potty and had my finger down my throat trying to throw up just because my stomach felt so weird. My lungs were feeling weird. And I thought that would help me, but couldn't throw up. So I jumped out and I just took off running. My pace dropped by a minute and a half. So I was at like an 8.30 pace, to nine minute pace most of the time after that. I walked through every aid station and tried to get as much water down and whatever food that was sort of making my stomach feel better, yeah, could but, settle it. but nothing, nothing really was at all. That was the bad thing. So, um, I, I remember hitting a point, I think on the last lap, I didn't take anything in. I just went for it. Yeah. I said, I'm going to just go and try to get this thing done and hopefully not black out or have something weird happen. But <clears throat> the, the funny thing was literally a hundred yards before the finish line, carpet my right hamstring cramped up twice in a row and i was like really right here at the very end at the stop as everyone on the sidelines is watching me and they're like oh man that oh sorry you're cramping like uh, <laughs> uh yeah i'm just i'm almost there but i gotta stop for a second 
So finished it up and then laid on the ground for a little bit. A little bit. like Well, I laid on the <laughs> ground before I met up with you in the little Ironman athlete area. They had food everywhere in there. I didn't go eat anything. I felt sick. Um, just grabbed my stuff. Just felt super emotional and laid down. Like I said, I pulled out my phone, had a little moment to myself with some tears and was able to somehow get up and walk over to you. And then when I laid down next to you for 30 minutes, that's when my body was locking up. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen you say like, I'm hurting yeah. and look that way, to be honest. <laughs> I was a little scared. I've never had my entire legs lock up that bad trying to stand up before. Yeah. Uh, like after an event. I mean, world's toughest is brutal and you you cannot really walk or function properly after running, you know, nonstop at a world's toughest. But this race was was something else. Yeah, well, I mean, not only you, I got to kind of sit around and and watch other competitors compete, and I've never seen so many people tap out yeah, and, or just looked wrecked. They were, especially on the run, I mean, the bike we couldn't really see. Even after the swim, you could just see this, like, mental fatigue already, and then by the time the run started, you just saw athletes saying like f this like this is terrible i'm gonna walk yeah it's hot i'm literally throwing up and uh so that was interesting to watch I, i'm glad most people finished i think they had what a 94 percent success rate but yeah those six percenters it was really rough in general for everyone yeah. especially for them yeah it was uh that was a different beast that's for sure I believe they said it was the toughest Ironman course to date. I think you have said that multiple people who have done Ironman Worlds have said that as well. Yeah. Just normally do the, it in Kona. The technicality of the the bike ride. The run was super boring. I mean, it was just, what was it? It was four laps out and back down this road. But it was it was cool because there were spectators and people on the sidelines that like everywhere. So thousands of people watching. And then they had a Red Bull truck out there with a DJ on it. And that dude was throwing down some beats the whole time. <laughs> like, like just, I mean, killing it. He looked like he was having the best time of his life while we're all running by struggling. You always um, need that. Yeah. And then Hoka had a tent out there and they were blasting music. So lots of good vibes for sure. But I did watch quite a few people get carried out on stretchers on the run. The ambulance was running up and down the side of the road by us nonstop. A helicopter came in and landed at one point. I think somebody got, you know, uh, taken out by helicopter. Mm -hmm. But it was it was rough. Um, overall, one of the most incredible things I think I've ever been able to take a part of. And um, just looking on to doing some more of this next year. I'd like to go to Kona. That would be sweet. It would be uh, a lot uh, easier travel-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Traveling overseas you know, to Europe is... Uh, We're still paying the price right now. Yeah, I'm still exhausted. Uh, it's just, what, what, was it, what was it, like 14 hours of flying over there? Yeah, just un unreal. Lots of uh, jet lag and the time change, nine-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we got there five, six... What, five days before the race, mm -hmm. and uh, it took me just about up until race day to get used to the time change. 
so that, that was a struggle in itself. And then the diet, you know, your diet goes out the window because everything over there is so much different than here. And the times people eat, I mean, they don't believe in breakfast or anything like that. So Well, they believe in breakfast. It's just I mean, different. You're, you're, yeah, your breakfast isn't a shot of espresso and a croissant. Which so, is lovely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was for sure carb loaded for the event. I don't know if I was <laughs> hydrated enough. Um, but went into it doing the best I could. And um, yeah, got got the damn thing done. Yeah, proud. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Then after, after we flew out to Sicily, Italy, stayed with uh, some family friends that are full Italian, and had some of the most gnarly three-hour-long dinners, three days in a row, in the best way possible. Oh, they were incredible! So awesome. Yeah, I was very happy that you were able to experience that. I've been able, fortunately, to experience the home-cooked host Italian meal when I was in Italy for a few months, and. Um, so when we had this opportunity, I was like, you, ha- we have to stay there because I know Italians, um, and I know their food and just the hospitality that they hold. And so I was really happy that you were able to kind of experience that because it's so incredible. And if anyone has the opportunity to go stay with people overseas, I mean, it, it's just a whole different lifestyle and you get to experience it firsthand instead of being at a hotel and kind of do your own thing and not really see traditional or traditions kind of throughout families happen and so um I was really happy you're able I know you're pretty stuffed for (laughs) four days straight but uh (laughs) what what day was it the second day we were there yeah it was a lot so we went out they had uh, a local friend The British lady that also speaks full Italian, but speaks English. So, so we were able to talk with her just fine. We went out on her and her husband's boat tour um, around some parts of Sicily where we got to get off and swim. And it was just super incredible. The water was so clear mm-hmm. and we were swimming with fish and literally swimming with jellyfish. Yeah. And uh, which was really cool. Um, we got to see some cool stuff where they filmed uh some movies and film what was it james bond mm-hmm. 007 uh movie so that, that was cool and then after that we hiked up a mountain uh i think what was that 1600 feet or so like it pretty much up straight, straight up but the the view you get this whole panoramic view of the coastline of where we had just taken that uh, that boat ride out so that was really nice and i believe it was that night where we were starving but dinner they start dinner at like 9 p.m. We went out to, to a little town of San Vito and we got some drinks and then we ordered their street food for two people. <laughs> well, which, sometimes I think I can read Italian and then I can't read Italian. Pretty sure, pretty sure it wasn't English, but they bring out this. I, I don't even know what you would call it. These three-tier platter. Yeah, it's like three-tier platter of... Potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> of uh, French fries. These, what, these, Well, there was these little cheese balls in there. And then these... I think like, they were potato balls. Whatever, fried potato wedges, too. And, but they had a freaking sparkler on it. And so they bring this thing out. This thing's shooting sparks everywhere, and everyone's looking at us. I'm thinking, why? why does a... Why, why do French fries have a sparkler on them? They yeah, I didn't know what I ordered. bring that out with champagne or whatever. But that was hilarious. So we ate a bunch of those because we were starving. Actually, we finished that whole thing. 
Then we go back and go to this like six course Italian three hour long dinner. And that was the <laughs> most stuffed and uncomfortable I've ever felt eating dinner in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, was the food bad. was so good, but I was falling asleep at the table. Just, I was honestly miserable inside. Yeah. So good. Though, but then but the next day you felt fine. That's the difference between that food and food we eat here. Like yeah. you have one meal and we feel like crap the next day. And there it's like, you know, everything's pro- non-processed and homemade. I mean, homemade pasta in general and, and sauces that are very, very unique to that area. And so, yeah, it's, it's very easy to eat. And so, but yes, I do agree when you add in like cheese and dessert and, oh, you're going to have a piece of meat now. Oh, but we're going back to pasta and then we're going to yeah. go back to another potato well, then, dish. So it's, the wife, Maria Pia, and her husband's name is Mario, Maria would literally home cook every, well, we had pizza one night that we went. Oh so yeah. We, we took her down to a local pizza place and ordered pizzas and we ate those. And then she brings out more food after that. So anyways, going, going back to her, she makes everything homemade. And I mean, it's fantastic. But she'll bring out, like first, she sets up the table, brings out wine and beer and water and like whatever else. Then she goes and gets like the first course. And then after that, she brings out something else. And then she brings literally brings out fruit, starts cutting it up for everybody. And it's just telling you, here, eat this, eat this. And you're already like halfway stuffed. So you're eating more fruit. And then she brings, I don't know, what else does she bring out after fruit? Probably pasta. Like, or yeah, another, another dish. And then it's dessert. <laughs> what, what did she hand make that oh, last night? Oh, I can't even remember the name, but they were, there they had some ricotta cheese inside. Ricotta cheese and chocolate. And it had powdered sugar on top of it. Yeah, but she, good. she literally rolled out the dough in front of us in this in a little dough roller and puts everything in it and crimps the side and then cuts it with this little thing and she deep fries. Yeah, cooked those and she probably made twenty of those and she made you and I eat at least twelve. Yeah. And I was <laughs> I was happy and, with it though. <laughs> yeah, they were so good. I was fine with it. Those yeah, it was amazing. I mean Sicily in general is just such a unique place and um, I see why now so many people never leave. And if they leave, it's because there's not a ton to do there, a, yeah, a there, ton of opportunity uh, because it's a slow lifestyle. But if you're used to the fast life lifestyle and you go over there, it's uh, almost a sense of relief and it's, and it's beauty itself. Sort of because the second you, drive onto any road oh, gosh, yeah. in Italy, anywhere. <laughs> Everyone is a certified F1 car driver in Italy. That like, is true. You will get your ass ran over, and people do not. I've care. never seen you so angry so many times, and uh, I'm like, so, I can't So deal. we went up to this, there's this huge town at the top of this Eriche. mountain point. Yeah. And um, driving up it, you're driving up these crazy, curvy roads, and there's people flying up in the the opposite lane, oncoming traffic lane, trying to cut in front of people. So we had a bus right in front of us, a big tour bus, which barely fit on this road. And this guy comes up. I see, look in the rearview mirror, and he's coming up, flying up by me. And I'm thinking, where is he going to go? Like this bus in front of me is 
maybe six feet in front of me. And this guy turns over hard right and literally was like running us off the road. So I slam on the brakes. I'm on the horn and <laughs> I roll down the window and I'm chewing this guy out. And he's English. Just, yeah, and the English. Guy and he's just not speaking know. Italian. And he, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're in oncoming traffic. There's a bus in front of me. And now you're running me off the road to try to squeeze in to gain what a few like 30 seconds because we were literally right there at the top yeah yeah they're they're all crazy drivers but that little town that we went to was super cool we spent all day there we tried a bunch of different food tried some of their different drinks and uh explored just all these different church there's what like seven eight churches or more just up on this little town it was apparently built in like 13 1400s that little town was yeah yeah and it's still livable yeah so we we had no idea that people still lived there they called it a medieval town and then come yeah, to find out we it's thought functional. it was just all kind of abandoned and whatever but it's a fully functional town people literally live there and there's a bunch of restaurants and businesses it's fully fully functioning people driving through these roads with fiats and that's all you could fit down these roads that is true well that uh goes into where we were next yeah so then we left como flew to milan rented a car and Wait, no we left sicily oh sorry flew, flew uh, into that, milano and then that backwards yeah, yeah. then we drove to como yeah drove to como like an hour drive and como Oof. the roads around como are about a lane and a half wide if that so i was a little surprised at first i didn't know we were driving into something like that and all of a sudden i'm realizing there's cars coming the other way and you have to squeeze, try, try to just squeeze two cars through these roads the best you can. And they also have tour buses going around that too. So there's, And bikers. Yeah. Or yeah. cyclists, well, sorry. Cyclists. Um, the, uh, the roads, yeah, just unreal. And then you get into these little towns because there's countless numbers of little towns around Como because Como's just a little over 100 miles all the way around the lake. And there's certain sections where the buses and cars cannot fit side by side together. So somebody kind of has to make a decision and say, Hey, I'm going to sit back. And what we saw at one point, there was almost like, like they almost got stuck at one point. Yeah. There yeah. was a car and a bus trying to go at the same time through this tight spot. And, um, and people aren't nice. They yeah, don't really everyone take- just starts honking. And what, it's like, <laughs> Hey, uh, they can't go anywhere. Besides but, that, though, Lake Como is absolutely unreal, breathtaking. Yeah. Our Airbnb was up on the side of this mountain in a town called, was it Lozano? Yeah. We're probably saying it wrong. But. Yeah. Lozano, Lozano. Um, and we walked through this cobblestone road. All these, I mean, all these Italians live there. You go up these little steps and then like, here's our Airbnb. Just like this fully remodeled, old looking building. But I mean, like the outside looked really old. The inside was fully remodeled, looked yeah. really nice. But um, I mean, we were right there in the middle of just this super cool old Italian village. And uh, you could look out the window at the top and see the lake. And it was just so cool. First night it rained a bunch. Yeah, it stormed. Yeah, so that we, we actually ended up going hiking the next day. We left our Airbnb and went right up the mountain behind us. Um, when he says right up, he means right up, like yeah. uh, no trail. 
Well, th- there was a trail most of the way, but at the very end, you're you're climbing um, up like a 45 degree angle up the side of this mountain, and then you come out up into like this open green pasture where there's this beautiful Italian home. Nobody yeah. lives there, and these two outhouses, I guess you'd call them, and um, and you overlook the other side of the mountain, and from there we let well we went right, so we went up the ridge of the mountain. And uh, hiked up to this restaurant that overlooked a huge part of uh, of the lake, and it was so beautiful. We were hoping it was going to be open, but it wasn't. Yeah. So from there, we hiked all the way back down the ridge and back um, down the Bellagio. Straight down it to Bellagio. So it was about ten miles, um, forty five hundred feet of gain or so. But most of that was within like the first, <laughs> I'd say, five miles. Yeah. Um just incredible though but we got we didn't go all the way into Bellagio but when we got actually you know we, we were technically because the town of Bellagio is a bit bigger than you, we mm-hmm. thought it was but we didn't make it to like the point um we ended up going there later on that night for dinner but at first we stopped to get some lunch and ended up drinking a bottle of wine and then got another bottle of wine yeah I don't know why we did that we but got a taxi back to our, to our Airbnb Shower change. It went to the very tip of Bellagio to this restaurant that night. And it, it was a nice restaurant. Um, just It was kind of cool just to be right there at that tip because that tip of Bellagio is right where Como splits off into the Y. Mm, you can see the Alps. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was nice views for sure. Um, what did we do the next day? after? Oh, next day we hired a wooden boat. Tour. Oh yeah, I highly recommend that for yeah. anyone because very, very, very expensive. Yeah, but it's like you can see the lake and you can see, you know, there's some cool houses, but being on the lake and being able to see it, it's just a different view. Like it's yeah. you're kind of o- almost overwhelmed of how much historical like monuments or like homes that have been there for so long and you know owned by these people that we have heard about our entire lives. And so to see that in your face and not just knowing it's, oh, it's kind of down there or here or there, it's it's so different. And it was beautiful. And, yeah, and then we went uh, swimming in Lake Como, jumped yeah, off well, a bridge. Well, let's talk about the boat tour a little bit. So if you guys ever do go, I think they have certain tours where you can go with other people, so it's a bit cheaper. Um, but if you do, we, we wanted to do the like traditional actual wooden boat uh, tour. So we found a guy, um, he's a young guy and he owns and operates his own boat. So we met up with him in the afternoon. We timed it perfectly. The weather was just perfect because out there it's pretty unexpected. It'll start raining and be clear, but we had it you know, perfectly sunny. It was nice. And um, he took us out for three hours. So there's like just enough room at the back of the boat to fit you and I comfortably. It was almost like this. Do you know the max is eight people on that? Yeah. Well, he, he had this mat laid out so we could like sit there or lay, lay out technically. Um, but I think there are traditional seats under, mm-hmm. underneath that. But it was, I mean, it was beautiful. He took us out. He showed us all these homes, Versace's home, the home where they filmed. House um, of Gucci. Yeah. Uh, a couple other famous stuff. I can't remember the names of them all, but come to find out this kid's family 
owns a huge real estate brokerage out there and they're friends with most of the families that owned all these mega million dollar homes. And it was just kind of cool to hear his stories on them and, you know, some of the places he's actually been able to go in and, uh, you know, experience these, these incredible homes. But he took us down from Como to Bellagio. Um, so on the way back, we we're actually coming by the town where we were staying. And then he said, hey, do you want to swim? And I mean, we're, we're dressed up pretty nice. Um, I had brought some shorts, but Kelsey didn't bring anything. So he takes us to this bridge and there's a bunch of tourists out there. It's like this small um, arched bridge. is nothing major, but it's probably 15, 20 feet tall. And he's like, you guys have to go jump off of it. You have to. So I said, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna, I want to swim in the lake for sure. So yeah, I'll, I'll jump off and go out and do it. <laughs> and you, you had nothing to wear, but you said, screw it. So you get down in your underwear and take your bra off and you're wearing just a white tee. It had to be a white tee, yeah, right? Yeah, and you, you swim up and <laughs> you gave uh, gave all the tourists a show. Um, but we both jumped off that bridge and it was... I mean, just it was like, so well worth it. Yeah, it was so incredible. I, I remember just, you know, you're out there relaxing the whole time, just taking this boat ride, which is cool. But then you get to just jump in the water, go jump off this random, super old arch bridge. And behind that bridge, there was a this huge, huge waterfall, waterfall. Yeah. Which I didn't get a chance to get a picture of. But uh, just, you know, just being a little wild and going to have that kind of fun is, is always memorable. I, I ended up jumping off twice. You did it what once? Yeah, I was I had my ring on, so I was a yeah. little nervous about that, especially because it was so deep and yeah. I didn't realize how high that bridge was. So I was shocked that I even jumped off of it in yeah. the first place. But it was either that or walk off with my head down because I was half naked. So <laughs> I just decided to jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, that's all right. You had fun. It was a good memory to be made. Yeah, but I mean, Como's great. Yeah, Como's great. Super, super busy town. Um, I mean, compared to everywhere else we were, where it was just very remote, lots of locals, remote, more just hardcore, I would call it ancient Italian towns. Ancient Uh, Italians. (laughs) They're not ancient people, but no, no, the the towns are very, very old. But Como um, is very, very crowded. Yeah, lots of people, lots of tourists there. Uh, after the boat ride, we ended up taking this tram up the side of the mountain and uh, to another town that's at the very top of this this huge mountain. Um, that, that's actually one of the oldest running trams, I believe. Yeah, it's really old. I mean, I'm sure they've redone it a few times, but yeah, met some crazy Brazilians on the tram going up. Oh my gosh, I forgot about All that. Right, so we got to talk about this because this was. So funny, but I yeah, I, I had some choice words that I would have told this lady if she had said something like that to me or you. But there's a so there's these two old ladies standing behind us. This whole tram's packed on the way up, and there's a younger guy and a younger girl, and then there's these seats. Well, all the seats were taken. So this lady, she's from Brazil. We found, we found that, that out. We found that out right away. She asked this lady, this young gal that's sitting down in the seat, she said, where, where are you from? And she told her, oh, yeah, we're from, I don't forget where. We're from Turkey. Turkey. And, and, said, and then this lady immediately says, well, we're from, what did she say? Well, we're, no, we're from- well, the girl from Turkey, the Brazilian looked at her and said, 
oh yeah. hey where are you guys from and the the young girl from turkey was like yeah we're from turkey what about you like super nice like conversation the girl said well we're we're from <laughs> she said i were from brazil where we're from you let um elderly sit down that's where we're from. Yeah, that's where we're from. Like so, something along those lines, but it was super aggressive, and we both looked at each other. And I'm thinking, just you just say that. And I was waiting for the girl sit, that was sitting down to say something back. She was speechless, and she just looked forward and didn't say anything else. But I turned to Kelsey and I said, "Man, if she would have said that to you or I, I, I would have had some very choice." Yeah, I think, her, or she would have got probably smacked upside the head. I just kind of <laughs> stared at her because I was even shocked of like. Did you seriously just try to make a conversation to, like, make a dig? Yeah, and like, it was to make a dig on on this. And then they just started speaking and whatever, yeah. and and of course talking crap about the girls. But it was it was ridiculous. Yeah, I, my thought was, well, if your parents or whoever's with you that's elderly needs a spot to sit, you could have gotten in line sooner. Or they could have waited for the next tram because they were yeah, the last ones they were in. The last ones on. Or you could ask people politely, say, "Hey, can, do you mind if these elderly women sit down and have yeah, a seat?" It was really interesting. Instead, it was like, "Oh, hey, I got to tell you where I'm from. This is how we we act." Yeah, man, you're which I've crazy. never seen a Brazilian do that. No offense to any Brazilians if you're listening, but you're making Brazil look pretty bad. Because <laughs> tell someone that in America, you gonna have a rough day yeah i was shocked but other than that i mean that was i think that was funny to us like yeah it was, it was comical cultural shock that's for sure but yeah como was good and then we decided to make the tr- oh you well, no we still still have another day so the last day pulled the bike out of the bag put it together and rode and rode just a little over 80 miles around como going counterclockwise Incredible views, just unreal. Uh, I was a little nervous beforehand just because of how crazy people drive out there and how tight the roads were. But everybody, there were so many other cyclists out there on the road that all the drivers were pretty respective of, of us being out there. Um, I got to see the Alps, rode around through all these little towns, these um, little cobblestone roads in these, some of these towns. It was so cool. It felt like I was in a movie. So we did that, and then... I met Kelsey behind a church up on the uh, hillside somewhere in Como, changed, pulled my bike apart, put it in the case, and we walked about two miles after that into town and went and checked out the Como Cathedral, which was unreal, and then we went and had lunch, and then walked two miles back, got in the car, and drove six hours to Rome and met up. Oh, jeez. So I booked an Airbnb before we left, and the host met us at I believe, 12.30 at night to let us in. And then we got up at, uh, I mean, a few hours later and went to the airport and flew back. Yeah. I will say, if you do ever go to Como, anyone, a tip would be don't plan to shop on Sundays because everything is closed and it's always packed. So get there really, really early to find parking. Yeah. Well, everything in Italy... The, Time of everything is different. The time restaurants open up and close, it's, mm-hmm. it varies throughout the day. They open and close constantly, That it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was on the bike ride, I stopped at one point on this in this town that our boat driver told me to stop at if I did go and ride. And I was going to get 
a coffee and a snack and it's 11 in the morning and I'm sitting outside this cafe and I'm about to go in and the owners of it are outside like leaf blowing, blowing off the patio. And I said, oh, we're close. I'm thinking it's, it's in the morning. Like, what do you 11 mean you're a cafe? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, no, we're closed. So I said, okay, I'm just going to keep eating my carb. <laughs> yeah. But then we drove those many, many miles through Italy. Yeah. We were not able to see the most beautiful areas of Italy, yeah, I would say, through Florence and Tuscany, but that is okay. Oh, and it also you also have to pay to drive on the freeways in Italy. So yeah, you, we go, you go through all these, um, whatchamacallit, little fee stations, toll, tolls, uh, tolls. And there was one we had to pay at, and then another one we got this ticket which we didn't know what to do with. And all of a sudden we pulled off the road to get gas one time and ended up going to another toll. The guy's asking us, where's your ticket? I was like, what do you mean ticket? And then I remember we grabbed one and I said, Oh, this one He's like, yeah. So then they know how far you've gone and then they charge you based upon that. So driving from Como to Rome, I think cost us about 50 euros. (laughs) It's, it's crazy. Yeah, and, um, plus gas, plus there, everything. Yeah, the gas wasn't bad. What's weird out there is that, so they charge by the liter. So you're looking at like 3.75 liters per gallon or so. You're looking at at $7.5 a gallon technically. Mm-hmm. Most of the vehicles, though, have small gas tanks, and they're very fuel efficient. So, I mean, fuel didn't cost us that much, but the gas stations out there are ginormous, and they're yeah. super clean, and they have like full-on restaurants and small... Grocery stores and um full-on cafes, yeah, yeah, just, uh, super crazy. Um, but yeah, it was just a cool cultural experience overall. Uh, we did a little bit of traveling one day in France. Mm-hmm. We went, took the train. Uh, where'd we go? We went north, up the coast, and, and then teeps. we, yeah, then we took um a ferry out to this little island. For some reason, I, I can't think of the name of the island we went on. Uh, Monte something. Yeah. Margarita? No, no I, I can't remember right now. But it, it was cool. It was a small island, and they have, I, I'm assuming people still, yeah, people do still live there. I remember walking mm-hmm. back, there were some, some people sitting outside of these old homes. But um, yeah, it was crazy. They had pine trees out there just on this little island. Rare, yeah. Yeah, and then um, this old, I would say semi-abandoned town at the top of the island and an old prison, which we didn't realize that till after. Mm-hmm. And then they had this huge party. I remember we started hearing all this music. And we were I'm thinking th- it was the yachts. And th- yeah, there's a bunch of yachts out there because they were having this big old yacht meetup, I think, shortly after we were there. And we're hearing all this music. So we walked down by this big building that come to find out was their their prison. And we looked down. I mean, we're maybe 100 feet up over the water. And we looked down. There's a little beach with all these boats out there. And there's a full-on bar and all restaurant these. Restaurant restaurant. And they're just, like, raging. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, that looks fun. <laughs> yeah. Too bad they are closed right at 6. Yeah. So that, that, that was cool. It's cool to see random stuff like that. But we, uh, yeah, we ate so much good food. So many different places. Um. Just good, good experience overall. But now we're back. Now life is back to semi-normal. Still getting used to the time. Yeah, I think we're, it's normal, but we're trying to be normal. 
and yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. We're, no, we're back, filling it back to the busyness and, um, Back to training already. Back to training, yes. Uh, I was on a podcast yesterday talking about, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about here on this episode. And, um, yeah, work work is back. Mm -hmm. Back to normal. I feel you. Meal plans are back in order. All that good stuff. Speaking of meal plans, uh, he didn't send it to me. It should be be tomorrow. But, Um, But, yeah. So now it's uh, you're gonna be training again for your next show. Yes. Yes, because you did recently did a a show. Tell a everybody, natural. Tell everybody what kind of show you did. A natural bodybuilding show. Yeah. I found a love of mine, and I really have enjoyed it. So the process of uh, the physical work and the mental work, I think, uh, plays a big part in it. And yeah, so natural bodybuilding figure competitor. And fit body, which uh, fit body is across from bodybuilding and figure. Um, so it's all about symmetry and not being overly masculine and still have that woman like physique side of it. And so I've really enjoyed that. Um, I had my first show August 19th. So it's been almost a full month or it's been full, a full month. Yeah. Um, I would say I went into it being super competitive and you know that, and that's who I am in general of, I want to win this. I want to win this. And my coach Zoltan had really tried to tone it down a little bit and try to put me back into the realization of this is your first time ever competing in this and your first time ever being on stage half naked and the first time you've ever really cut like this. So let's make sure we have perspective on your goals. And I still was uh, not about that. It was always about winning. And then I think uh, going into peak week, it started about two weeks before that, before the show, and I think I was on 900 calories and that was when it really set in where it was like, it, I mean, 900 calories of just eating four protein shakes, a cup of rice, and six ounces of chicken every day and not moving off of that. And so you could start seeing the change in my body, start seeing the change in my mental state. Um, and then I was hit with, hey, well, this is the competitor you have to go up against. And mentally, when I found that out, I mean, she's a pro in a different organization and I was pissed and I just didn't think it was fair. And I kind of had my little pity party for a little bit. But the one thing I knew is even if I wasn't going to win, I was going to give her my best at least. And so I'm really proud of at least sticking to the diet and the prep um, and the peak week and mentally not, you know, obviously we're so and a calorie deficit that mentally were crazy in general, but really just pushing myself to get to that point. And then to get on stage, I think that's half the battle. And, uh, yeah, had a lot of fun, was able to meet some incredible people, uh, people that I've been, you know, I kind of started this journey a year ago for some other reasons of just trying to gain some weight and get into more routine. Um, And so people that I had looked up to for the past year of like, hey, this might be something I'm interested in. And then the feedback I got was amazing of this is something that you could be really good at. And so you just need to stay consistent and stay disciplined with it. And the wins will come. 
And so that's really exciting. Um, I was super amped right after (laughs) and was like, yeah, we'll go on this trip and I'll do a show two weeks after our trip. And uh, I don't know if Sicily ever has a gym, but I did not find one (laughs) Um, or Europe in general. But um, yeah, so we're planning now for a show in May before our wedding. Um, Jeez. Yeah, and so because that's realistically the only time because after that, there's no way. Well, then I'm going to go run Coco down to 250 right before the wedding. In May? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. No, I'm joking. Um, so, yeah, really excited. I won't do a bulking stage anymore, so we'll kind of keep my calories low um, and just try to build some muscle and then just to overall become more uh, confident on stage, which, I mean, you were there, and I felt – very confident. I think to the normal eye who comes in the show, I looked great and I looked very confident. But to people who have been in the field for many, many years and who have been competitors themselves, they they were able to tell, like, this was my first show. Uh, she's doing the basics and looks good at doing the basics. And now we want to see her personality. So that's going to be a challenge for me is trying to figure out who I am on stage and how to bring that out. Um, but physically, you know, you can look great and still not have it all. So, yeah, we all thought you did fantastic. Well, thank you. Look, you you look really good up there. Um, <laughs> well, I'd hope yeah, so. It's, it's, I mean, this is something new for you too that you had never really experienced those types no. of shows. No, it was it was cool. It was cool to see. And uh, yeah, I think you can do really great if you keep pushing. Yeah, thank you. Naturally, my symmetry is where I want to be with figure. It's just about being super, super lean, which not many of you know me, but I'm a huge foodie. And when I mean foodie, it's like, let's go to really good places. And um, like, I don't buy clothes. I I buy really good food (laughs) and enjoy it. And I don't don't know what's worse. (laughs) So, Hey, it's good. So um, that was kind of a struggle, but or will be a struggle going into these next few months. But right now it's all about um, basically just making sure I have the right uh, percentage of protein and carbs in my diet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, excited for it. Trying to get my pro card in 2024 and have nice. my first go at my pro show next November. So on top of all the other things I'm in charge of yeah. <laughs> and doing. It makes life interesting for sure (laughs) for us yeah running all over the place but yeah very exciting um and then we had our engagement party right after that so i got to celebrate that was nice before leaving for europe but yeah that was fun it's a good time for sure lots of good people showed up and um spent the whole time just talking with everybody so that, that was good yeah it was awesome Yep, here we are now, and uh, next adventure, well, I'll be going to Moab in October to pace Elliot Reeb. I got his last name right this time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to be fun, but World's Toughest is coming up beginning of November. We have some big goals for that, mm-hmm. so just trying to get ready for that. Um, but I need to get out of this slumber I'm in right now of trying to get back to reality and get my body back to normal. So recover and rest. Yeah. Yeah. Recovery runs recovery. Are you going to swim it at all? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll still probably swim one day a week. Okay. One or two. I, I got to see what she programs for me. But right now it's, I said running and lifting, running and lifting. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. No, it's exciting times. I think both of us have these goals in mind. I mean, you've been in the Ironman and um, obstacle course racing scene for a while. For me, I haven't been in the bodybuilding naturally, natural bodybuilding in general ever. And so we both have these huge goals for. This is only my first year in Ironman. Oh, that is true. So we're both little babies and where we are. Yeah. But super exciting times. And I think we're, we're two people who are extremely disciplined. And when we have a goal, nothing uh, can really stop us. So our household is very interesting yeah. sometimes. But um, it works. And uh, I'm super excited to see you push yourself to this next level for worlds. I mean, that's why I'm like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to have an overnight flight and then I'm going to leave and have an overnight flight so I can make it back to work. Um, so yeah, I think just these next, this next year is going to be life changing for us in a lot of different ways. And I'm really excited to be a part of it for you and for you to be a part of me on my journey and just see where it takes us. Because I think we've almost found like, a new light of passion uh, athletically, which is great. And I haven't, I haven't felt that since my volleyball career. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's good. We're always searching for bigger and better, um, looking for the next challenge. Well, yes. Or you're not living. Yeah, exactly. We still like to relax and have some fun though. And, run around with bottles of wine in Italy. <laughs> that is true. Oh yeah. I mean, it's you, you, I think you can't always be perfect. Um, you can't always, I don't want to be perfect either. Yeah. I want to have that enjoyable moment after success, but it's because of all the discipline and all the consistency and, uh, where I can afford to take that. Whereas, yeah, I feel like we're the type of people that, mentally have to earn it first before we go out and do something like that. Is that a disorder? No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, that's what separates you from, nor, you know, normal population. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I feel like for me to eat an unhealthy meal when I'm on the grind and when I'm on my, you know, my, my uh, training plans for certain events, like I have to put in a hard day of training before I go and eat you know, something which even when we do go what we call eat bad, it's never really even that yeah. bad, but it's something that might be off of the diet plan a little bit, but I have to earn that. That's just how I roll. Yeah. I'm someone that still has to make sure that I have that percentage of what I, what I need protein and carb wise. So even if it is, we go out to eat, I'm still calculating in my head of, okay, I need to make sure that I have this or that. And then whatever is extra, extra. And I need to make sure that I use that in some way. And I think a lot of people, and we can go into nutrition later on, but I'm certified in sports nutrition is, and been around that whole scene for a long time is they think of like bad food or like I'm on this diet. Well, what you're consuming is still the same thing. Like food is carb, protein, fat. And so I guess how much you consume of that, regardless of what it is, 
you know, that's what changes your body. And so, so many people are like, I'm going on this diet for four weeks. And so they do great for four weeks or, and then when they get off of it, they're like, well, I'm, I'm going back to what I was eating and now I'm getting, well, yeah, because you completely changed your diet. And so if you like the way you have been looking the last four weeks, maybe stick to that for quite a few times and make that a lifestyle, not just a diet. And I think uh, that's something that you and I really uh, comprehend and we just, it's a lifestyle. Like if we go out, we go out and eat and we're fine. But the next day we're right back on our diet. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent a lifestyle. Most people cannot fathom that. Everybody thinks, not everybody, I'll take a step back. Most people that don't eat very healthy or, or don't have the discipline to, like you said, have uh, your nutrition as a lifestyle, they will jump around between diets and yeah. you know assume that, oh, this keto diet is going to make me lose this weight. Okay, well, they'll get on it and they might lose 10 pounds and then they start slipping up and go back to normal and they gain it all back and they think, oh, I'm going to do carnivore. Oh, I'm going to do whatever, paleo. And it never works out for them. It's just a, for them, it's a constant, um, I would call it a feel good for a short period of time. Like, oh, I'm, I f- I'm feeling accomplished. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm doing something better for my body and I, I'm on the right path. And then they start to see some results. They get comfortable and then they go right back to where they were. But if you can mentally break that mold and make it a lifestyle, it, it takes time to get used to for sure. But I've been eating the same type of foods literally every day for probably the past two years. Yeah. Every day. I can attest to that. But, you know, like I said, we do have some times where if we've earned it, we will go and eat stuff that's different. Um, and have a cheat meal here and there. You know, we, we don't we don't make it super crazy. We don't eat super unhealthy. Like food, food is a tool. And that's what you should use it as. Yeah, I just think for anyone, it's like, do your research. And I think that's the problem is there's so many people nowadays that whether it's workouts, whether it's, oh, I'm going to go do a bodybuilding show or, oh, I'm going to go run an Ironman or run a hundred miles or, oh, I'm going to try this diet. They do it because of what they're seeing online of they don't research anything. They don't test out themselves. And that's a big thing is what works for one person might not work for another. We're all different. And we know the foods that work, we know the diets that work, or we know the uh, what cardio endurance does to our body, but they want something and they want it now. And they it's don't- a lot of fads. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing is, if anything, if anyone gets anything out of this podcast in general, sorry, I'm jumping around, it's really do your research of what you really think you want to do. Is it something that you can put into your lifestyle? And then two, does it work for your lifestyle? Because if it doesn't, there's no point in trying it or I guess try it and see if it ends up fitting in it. But you can only sustain that for so long of really, I, I mean, it has to fit with who you are Yeah. and there is one for everyone, whether that's different meals or a different workout plan, but you have to test it out and you have to enjoy it and you have to really be able to be consistent with it. Whereas, you know, with bodybuilding, so many people get to that show and then they're done because mentally they're fatigued. Physically, they, they didn't do what they wanted to do. So they're just going to throw it out the window. Well, it takes so much practice and consistency to be the best at what, in, in general, in anything, whether that's a diet or it's, or it's what you do, like endurance or anything like that. So it's, 
research as much as you can if it will fit within who you are. And that's that's key. Yeah. Yeah. Diets are very simple. Everybody um, over glorifies diets and diet fads. And uh, a lot of these fads you see are not very feasible for most people to, uh, to stay strict on. Um, so yeah, if you are very serious about certain goals with your nutrition, uh, lay out your plan for what you want to do physically and then find a nutritionist or somebody you can talk to that's you know, well-versed in the area that you're trying to, uh, or the path that you're trying to follow and talk with them because you can, you can make a diet simple, simple and easy. It doesn't have to be extravagant. Um, and research. Yeah. Well, like I said, find somebody that knows what they're doing. Like we have, we have a nutritionist who's very smart, who has worked with people in our spheres for years and years. And I've used him for the past two, three years as my nutritionist. And, uh, and we've done so many different things. And right now, uh, we're changing some things up, but he knows what I want, what I need. And, uh, it's, uh, it's very cut, cut and clear and dry and mm-hmm. easy to follow. Yep. Well, yeah. So we're going to end it there. That was a good one. Almost an hour in. Oh, so, geez. Yeah. I have a match tonight. Yeah. So you got to get going, but, um, yeah, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our little uh, recap of our trip to France and Italy, and uh, I guess we talked about some diets and some future goals and things coming up, so we'll catch you guys on the next one. Anything else you want to say? No. No? Laters. Laters. Hi. I'm taking shots to the heat. Now I can feel it in my teeth, huh? I feel the lyrics start to seep uh. Out my veins like I bleed uh. Drop that bass on the beat for a minute When I spit these words to the beat No limit, I don't make no sense I don't need no gimmick I'ma say what I think, be real specific And I'm asked for the chase I'ma pass in the race You could ask me the way I attack every day I adapt and I change Never cap and I say what I mean I was thinking you know me to stay like uh. Keep my head up, shit gets hotter And I get fatter But that don't give me nowhere That gets you to give up So I stay strong and do my thing